We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10. I'm doing these last two studies and this third one, I appreciate our pastor very much. The time he's up here and and even Thursdays too, you know, we are blessed so much. And uh, definitely calling, right? Uh, we're blessed. But today, uh, today's study, we are going to go over a few things that Jesus shares that seem impossible uh, without our faith in God, you know, without our belief that God is going to accomplish the things He has written and uh, that He has shared with us. In our eyes, they seem impossible, right? In our eyes, they seem impossible. You know, I, I have uh, many challenges in my life, uh, many challenges that I myself am to blame for you know one of the challenges that that i can say i don't have though um, is deep down in my soul you know the bottom of my heart that i know that with god all things are possible right all things are possible um, there is no doubt there you know when i say that i can there's doubt but when, uh, there's no doubt when i say that he can jesus can um, i hope that applies in your life and i hope that you all know that all you do um, all you do for the kingdom is now without the hand of God. You know, we could probably share uh, lots of different stories of how, you know, impossible things were made possible through God, right? First and foremost, you know, he saved you, right? He saved you. That seemed impossible. Everyone's impossible to save you as a sinner, right? Uh, I'm so glad for that. Um, but today we're going to hit a, a few different age groups. We're going to talk about children and then this young man that comes toward Jesus and then a few older people, the disciples. Let's read all the verses and then we'll come back and spend some time on a, on a few points. Um, chapter 10, verse 13, and we'll go through uh, 31. Some more reading. All right, it says, um, Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. For surely I say to you, whomever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his hands, in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things they have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? 
But Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Oh. Uh, first off, we see the children. We hear the children too, right? Uh, we'll see, we see the people bringing the children to Jesus, to Jesus, their maker. You know, some commentators think this is kind of like a, a dedication ceremony. You know, the parents bringing them to the Lord and praying for them. Um, I know, I know it's, uh, I hope that all the parents here have, have dedicated their children to the Lord. You know, not, not just in, in this, where, you know, the kids are brought up here and prayed for. I know that's kind of a, um, um, kind of a visual thing, but more, you know, personal thing with the Lord that you personally uh, dedicate your kids to the Lord. Um, dedicate, meaning to offer, to give, to set aside for the Lord. Um, and that's our role. Parents have a, a definite rare role today in this world um, of raising their, their child um, from, from conception. It's funny, I, could, I couldn't put born in there. I had to put conception in there. Uh, to the time they leave the home, to the time they leave the home, even after they leave, you still have the responsibility to be there, you know, for them, but you know, in a limited way. Are you blown away by that? I'm constantly blown away by that. You know, that I'm responsible for raising his children in the ways that he wants me to. You know, Proverbs twenty-two six says, "Train up a child in the way they should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it." Um, another word for train is um, inaugurate. Kind of a weird word, but it means to install, to establish, and to invest. You know, we need to be doing all these things for our children before they get to the age where they can say, no, I don't want to hear it anymore. Um, I hope my kids never tell me that, uh, but there's a chance, right? There's definitely a chance that they get to that age where, where they say, you know, I don't want to hear it. Um, you know, but I pray and hope that I've done everything to install um, all that the Lord has called me to do um, in their hearts. That way in that day, you know, when they come to that point where, you know, the world doesn't meet their expectations or people don't make their expectation that they remember the promises of the Lord, you know, the, the scripture, all those things. You know, these parents were, were bringing the children to the Lord and hoping that he would do what? That he would touch them, right? That he would touch them. That he would touch them. You know, every translation says this, um, that he might touch them. One translation adds that he might bless them too. You know, everyone in their lives, including our young children, must be touched by Jesus. You know, without that touch of Jesus, there is no hope. Agreed? Without that touch, uh, we can't touch them like he can, like Jesus can. The touch of Jesus is, is pure. Um, it's like no other, just like with us. No one on the face of this earth has ever touched us like he did, right? You know, but there are, you know, there are certain things about children, right? Um, 
you know, I'm glad the Lord has put me in the children's ministry to serve them, to serve him there. And I have uh, learned so much from little kids, from little children. You know, the Lord has, has used them in many of the lives of their parents, you know, uh, siblings, and also the teachers. I always hear stories of teachers sharing something the kids said during class that ministered to them um, every week, it seems like. Um, it's, you know, it's definitely special when little ones come to the Lord. Um, the Lord has so much, more, so much more time to do work in their hearts. You know, these disciples did something wrong. They rebuked the parents of these children when they tried to bring them to Jesus. They didn't tell them to wait. They rebuked them, sternly warned them. They censored them severely, a translation says. You know, I'm not sure if Jesus was, was teaching at the time or, or what he was doing, that the disciples thought that he was too busy, that his time was too precious for the children. You know, but we see how, how displeased Jesus was when he saw the disciples preventing the children to come to him. It says that he was greatly displeased. He wasn't just displeased, greatly displeased. This is the only time in the Bible where it describes Jesus as being greatly displeased about something. Uh, displeased meaning to be indignant, to have a righteous anger. You know, he wanted the children to come to him, and people were preventing them to, to approach him. The disciples were, and that really upset him. Get surprised? It upset Jesus. You know, uh, there comes to a point where you, you see the heart of Jesus and, and the, the children were definitely there. You know, he desired to be with them. You know, also along with this, we see the, the urgency of the Lord wanting to bless the children along with that. And I think that it still applies today. The Lord wants the children to come to him before they get, as most of us were, most of us were, um, before they get dragged around this world. Before they get, they get beat up. You know, um, it's without a doubt better that people come to the Lord as soon as possible. You know, no guarantees that they'll live a perfect life or without fault. But I think, just think it's so much easier to deal with someone who has grown up knowing the Lord uh, than someone who hasn't, an adult. Like we said before, it's a miracle when an adult comes to the Lord it's hard. There's so much hurt that needs to be getting got over. Um, there's trust issues. There's pride. You know, so much to get over before you get to that place where you say, Lord, okay, I'm yours. Do we want to be like Jesus? Who wants to be like Jesus here? All right. Um, then we should see the urgency in leading the kids to the Lord. There's my plug for the children's ministry. We should have the desire to want to be with the little children. We should have the desire there are some that don't, that don't like kids for whatever reason. And uh, I think that's horrible, right? That's, that's pretty bad, especially when they're my kids. Matthew, Matthew 18.10 says, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that even in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Matthew 18.5 says, Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. You know, I, don't get me wrong, I know kids are, are, are special and they have their, their ways about them and their challenges. Um, but we know whether we have a heart for them, right? We know whether we, we love them uh, as God has called us to. You know, the other day I went to the fair with a, um, 
with my family and some friends, and we got to go earlier. That's where all the, all the kids go, you know. They all flourish over there, and they're all wearing the same colored shirts and stuff like that. And, you know, um, it seemed like they were the only ones having a good time. Not the, not the parents, right? Not the, not the, uh, the chaperones, the people watching them. Um, but here's what this one man said. His name is George McDonald. It says, uh, he used to say that he did not believe in a man's Christianity if boys and girls were never found to be playing around his door. The minds of children are, more, are most plastic and most receptive. Receptive, Be your best and give your best to the children. You know, I don't think this means we need to have kids over all the time, but I just think it means that the doors of our hearts, right? Any, any opportunity we run into a child here or, or around, you know, they're, they're so precious. And uh, I think we just need to be willing to reach out to them, not knowing what their home life is like, not knowing what they're going through, the questions they might have. You know, that's our opportunity. But we know whether kids get on our nerves or not for any reason, right? We know uh, if we're like that. And, and I really think that's wrong. And uh, to want to kid, want to have kids, not act like kids. Um, we see that the Lord tells the disciples to uh, let the little children come to him and not forbid them. The word forbid uh, is a pretty scary word. It means uh, to hinder, to hold back, to delay, to hamper, to obstruct, to get in the way, to impede. Can parents be guilty of this with their children? Yes. Uh, I can be guilty of this with my children. It's a definite yes. We need to be so careful that we do not get in the way of our children developing and continue to develop a relationship with the Lord. But the most common way that I think parents um, get in the way is not living the life. Not living the life they're called to do. They're called to by the Lord. You know, telling that our children to follow the Lord when we're not following Him. Saying that you're a Christian and not acting like one. And all this happens in the home. All this happens in the home. We need, we need not to live a perfect life, but a proper life, like Manny would say. If our daily lives were written in a book, you know, thoughts, actions, uh, things we'd say, um, would we be recognized as a follower of the Holy One of Israel? Would we be recognized? I'll tell you what, if you have kids, they're reading that book, right? They're reading that book. They're... Uh, it's being laid out before them, you know, page by page. Um, you know, what are they reading? What are they reading? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge raising kids, but a total blessing. And you have an opportunity as, as, a, as a, um, a father and as a mother to be a, a dynamic impact on your children's life. Um, big time, big time. You know, may the Lord help us not to be a stumbling block for them. Let's read verse 15 again. It says that surely I say to you, whomever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. So to enter the kingdom of God, you must become childish. You know, it doesn't say that. It says to become like a child, childlike. In Matthew 18, it says that unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom. What are some characteristics of children? Good ones. Characteristics. Energetic? Cool. What's that? Honest. Honest. Any more? 
Quick to believe. Quick to believe. Trust. All right. You guys give me a lot. Cool. Here's some I got. Honest, trusting, forgiving. You know, dependent, right, on someone. Um, they learn a lot. They're like sponges in everything we say to them in the, in the, in the classrooms. They, they soak up. But one, one important thing is they like to have what? They like to have fun, right? They like to have fun. I like to have fun. Uh, these are some characteristics, characteristics we need to have as believers to enter the kingdom. To really believe in the kingdom of God, we need to become as children. Um, John Corson says, uh, they, the children, have absolute confidence that when it's dinner time, they'll be able to eat. Secondly, although children can't explain a lot, they sure enjoy a lot. You know, as adults, on the other hand, we want to explain everything, but enjoy very little, if anything. The way of the kingdom is not explaining. The way of the kingdom is enjoying, just trusting that our Father will see us through, that he'll provide for us and never give up on us. That's so true, right? Who likes to have fun here? All right, a few in the back. <laughs> we need to have total dependence on the Lord in every aspect of our life. You know, we can't test the, uh, whether the boat's going to float with one foot in the boat. You know, we need to be totally in the boat to really know and really believe that this boat is going to prevent us from drowning. You know, we can't give the Lord little bits of our life and, and hope that, uh, uh, that have control over those. Uh, he needs to have it all. We need to genuinely believe in all the promises He gives in order for us to receive those promises. Eternal life is on the top lot list, right? Eternal life. Um, do you believe the Lord is preparing a place for you? Do you believe? As a child would believe. Jesus said, As surely I say to you, verily may it be fulfilled, he says. Jesus ends this scene, you know, with scooping up the children into his arms and blessing them. Very cool, huh? You guys picture Jesus holding them and blessing them. All right, let's read verses 17 through 22. 17 through 22. It says, Now as he was going out on the road, one came running knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You know, this uh, passage is more commonly known as the, the rich young ruler. You know, it doesn't say that he's younger, he's a ruler here in, in Mark, but in Matthew and the other Gospels, it kind of confirms all that. Um, now, if you were to guess what a young person's desires or aspirations were when they grew up what do you think they would say they would want to make what they want to make money benjamins as they would say right um, more often than not that's what they would that's what they would say um, to be famous or some some something like that we all know money in itself is isn't bad but dependence on money instead of the lord is wrong now, this young man um, 
with all of his riches and his possessions, had one question for Jesus. It says, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Pretty crazy question, being everything he had. Uh, apparently, um, he knew of Jesus. He knew of him or heard that he could help him. We have, all, we, have, we have all heard of the rich, right? The financially rich coming to a point in their lives where they're what? They are empty, right? All the people, all the, all the money, all the uh, possessions um, wasn't enough. You know, back then, uh, people looked as riches as a blessing from the Lord. If they were rich, they were being blessed by God. But something was still missing in this man's life. You know, it's fair to say that's, that's where this young man was. He was searching for eternal life. Uh, you know, he knew about it, was taught about it, but he, he knew he was lacking something in order to get there, you know, the ticket. And he was desperate. It shows that too. It shows how he ran to Jesus and how he knelt before him, uh, before the good teacher. And the good teacher answers his question with a question. He tells him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, which is God. Uh, you know, what I read about this this verse is um, that it was to spark this man's thinking, to get him going, to get his, his mind uh, reeling, um, to find out who, who he was talking to. He asked, he, uh, Jesus tells him, if you, if you call me good, and there is no other good than God, and you know that I'm good, that could only make me whom? God, right? The Lord, um, in the flesh, the Messiah. Jesus wanted him to realize whom he was speaking with before he gave him any advice, before he said anything else. And I think that, that applies to all of us, the word of God. We need to know who is really speaking to us day in and day out when we spend time in his word. These aren't just words. These are the words of the living God. And when we know that on a consistent basis, you know, the Lord will do a work in our lives. Also with people you know, who come to the Lord, when they give their lives to the Lord, they need to come to that junction point to where they know who Jesus is. They know what Jesus did for them. You know, They need to come to that point or else nothing's going to work. So Jesus uh, sparks this man's mind uh, into thinking, and then he tells him to the commandments. Uh, it says, uh, but all these commandments, uh, they all deal with who? They don't, do they deal with the Lord or with his, his people, right? All, all these commandments deal with his people. Nothing to do with God the Father, but all to do with his people. Um, you know, sad to say, but this is probably most of our struggle. And maybe it's, it's this young man's struggle too. We hold God in the right spot and give him honor and give him uh, all we can or all we're called to do. Um, but we fail in, in our dealings with his sons and daughters here on earth. You know, our neighbors. To love our neighbor as ourselves. Your neighbor being anyone you come in contact with. Difficult, right? Difficult. Dealing with people, but I think uh, this was more to let the, the young man know of the sin in his life. Most of the time, when we share with someone, we need we need for them to know that they are sinners. That's of great importance, and that they are in need of a what? A savior, right? Sinners in need of a savior. 
these points these points must be met in order to uh, to touch someone to touch uh, for someone to be touched by Jesus. Uh, but the young man uh, said what that he kept all these commandments from his youth. Do you believe him? Do you believe when someone has said they kept all the Ten Commandments? I don't. You know, especially after the teachings of Jesus where he says, you know, to, to hate someone is committing murder. And just looking upon a man or a woman and lusting after them, you have committed what? Adultery, right? The lying, the stealing. Everyone's done those things. But this guy said he hadn't. So Jesus meets him there with a statement. You know, that will challenge anyone who says that they are good to sell all and follow me and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. So Jesus guarantees them what? Treasures in heaven, right? Treasures in eternal life. Uh, not in this life, eternal life. We all know he was sad at what Jesus said because he had great possessions and those possessions were more valuable than the ones he would receive in eternity. That's a crazy thought. The possessions here on earth were greater to this man than the ones he would receive in eternity. Money and possessions is a powerful thing. Possessions are something we need to get a grasp on. They can't possess us. You know, if I were to ask you, generally speaking, let's see, pretend there was two of me up here, right? Two riches. One rich, rich, and one poor. Um, Both Christians, right? Who would um, depend on the Lord more? Right, let's, let's have some participation. Who do you think the rich, rich would depend on the Lord more? Or the poor rich? The poor rich would depend on the Lord more, right? I'm confusing you guys. Man. Um, okay, once again, let's say these riches had, had kids. Which, uh, uh, which kids do you think would depend on the Lord more? The poor, right? The poor. You know, it's, this isn't like a blanket statement or anything like that. This isn't like something that's always true. But more often than not, when people have money or, or have a lot of money, they, they grow less dependent on the Lord, right? Less dependent. And you know, always, we, you know, with the, you know, the mission trips to Cambodia, you know, there, there's a strong belief, a strong faith there because they depend on the little things, the meals that we don't really depend on, right? Is anyone, anybody worried about having lunch? Today? Not really, right? Probably thinking about lunch, but not worried about lunch. But it just, it's just like almost, it's almost a fact, really. But here's, here's some, uh, um, some references that speak on um, this trouble we have with, with possessions. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. It says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold of eternal life. And also in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It's a clear warning of money possessions. They must not take the place of God or be more important than him or the kingdom. 
You know, but I think the phrase in, in um, what verse is that? In verse 21, um, that catches this man's attention is to take up your cross. And hopefully that catches our attention too. Take up your cross had more of an effect on him and on us also. To take up one's cross, some people confuse this as a burden. Some people confuse this as a burden. Taking up your cross for Christ should never be described as a burden or ever seen by others as a burden. This, the cross back then was a symbol of, of death, right? A method of torture, of public torture. Today, was it, what does it mean for us? What does the cross mean for you? Salvation? Anything else? Nothing else? No. Hope, hope, okay. Today, it means so much for us. It reminds us of God's act of love and Christ's sacrifice on Calvary. I think the main thing is victory, right? Victory. Victory from sin um, over death, grace, mercy, humility, obedience. Like I said, it means so much for us. And now we, like this young man, are called to take up our cross to follow Jesus. Uh, taking up a cross, what does that involve? Self-denial, what? right? Self-denial is the main thing that we must do in order to take up our cross. Luke 19, Luke 9.23, it says, Jesus says to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It's not just once or twice that we need to take up our cross. It's each day in our lives we need to be under the power of God and let him have control over our lives. Our example is who? Jesus, right? Jesus Christ. He didn't do anything without the Father's approval. Here's some more references. This is John 4.34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the, his work. John 6.38 it says, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. It's so clear that Jesus was submissive to the Father always, even, even until death, like we're called to do, right? Even until death. Even until death. You know, I know we have responsibilities, you know. Most of us have jobs and, you know, families to take care of. But those are all um, what the Lord has placed in our lives. Even in those. We need to be sensitive to what God has called us to, to do and, and to, to say and be sensitive to what he wants us to do. And, and finally, this young man goes away sad, greed, because his possessions and riches were too important to follow Jesus. Sad, but it's still going on today, right? It's still going on today. People, people uh, holding their possessions higher than the Lord. It hasn't stopped. Okay, verses 23-31. Let's read those again. 23-31. It says, Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of an needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at the men, at them, and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, 
See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. You know, we kind of went over this earlier. Um, We'll spend a whole whole lot of time on, on here. But Jesus really wanted to address this to his disciples. They saw this man just walk away from Jesus. They saw how his riches got in the way of his, him deciding to follow Jesus. He told them how hard, he told them how hard was it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. You know, disciples are kind of taken back because, like we said before, you know, it was a blessing to be rich back then. You're being blessed by God. You know, you're you're right on. You're doing the right things if you had money back then. And the disciples, it says, they were astonished. They were amazed at this statement. You know, and apparently they didn't answer him. So he calls, calls them out and says what? He calls them children, right? He calls them children. I'm not sure why he, I'm not totally sure why he calls them that, but um, maybe because they were, they were acting like children. The, you know, I know sometimes it takes a little while for kids to, do, to learn things, and it was, uh, maybe they didn't get it. Sometimes it, it, it takes a lot of repetition to teach children, but these were grown men, right? These were grown men who, who weren't seeing what he was trying to teach them. They, like I said, they just saw this rich young ruler walk away. Walk away from Jesus. You know, but Jesus throws, throws them almost a little hint or a little bone in verse 24 and adds a five-letter word that gives clarification to his statement. Let's read it together. It's in verse 24, the last, last, uh, last part of it, beginning with children. It says, children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? What's that five-letter word? It's trust, right? Who trust in riches. How hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It's trust. It's not the riches that prevent them. It's their trust in the riches that prevents them. Luke sixteen thirteen says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The God of mammon must be ripped off the throne for them to really depend on God and be saved. The, in, verses, uh, in verse 25, where it talks about the camel going through the eye of a needle, it was what? It, was in, it, it is what? It is impossible, right, for that to happen. It is impossible. Give, uh, the Lord gives him a little visual. And the disciples kind of continue to be weirded out about the whole thing and ask him, who then could be saved? You know, and Jesus kills all the confusion um, in the disciples and says that with men it is impossible. The way we think is impossible. But with the Lord, with God, all things are possible. It is impossible for a rich man to be saved. It is impossible for a poor man to be saved. It takes a miracle for any man to be saved. What is humanly impossible is divinely possible. Agreed? Disagree? Um, Jesus responds to them in, in verses 29 through 31. Uh, we won't read that again, but um, you know, my, my take on that is there, there are so many challenges uh, for us as Christians in following him. 
you know, fully, fully following him. You know, but one thing, one thing that's been hard for me to lose is that, you know, that interaction with the family, right? Uh, with, um, quote unquote, unbelievers, you know, cousins, uh, um, brothers, sisters, whoever. You guys know what I mean, right? Um, that's it, been, it's been hard. You know, the less interaction, you know, that we still kind of hang out, but it's totally not the same. Totally not the same. You know, following the Lord requires some, you know, sacrifice, some, you know, repercussions. Um, you know, all those things like I mentioned, you know, family members won't talk to you. Friends won't want to hang out with you anymore. Um, but the Lord encourages us today in verses 29 to 31 that we will receive these things that we lost if we follow him. The brothers and the sisters, um, all that. Will you get? Will you receive riches in heaven? Yes, yes, right. Um, are you receiving riches now? Yes. This verse says that we will receive those riches now and in the age to come, eternal life. Has the Lord given you brothers? Has the Lord given you sisters and, and fathers and, and mothers and children? Lots of children here, right? Lots of children. He was right. Our, fo- our, our fellowship is, is so awesome. I encourage you guys uh, to get to know each other, to develop relationships, because what you've lost, the Lord will provide in, in our family. We're all a family, right? A family here. But you will be so blessed if, if you just don't leave, if you stay. If you stay for a little, a little bit, you'll be blessed by someone, guaranteed. Guaranteed. In the last verse, uh, verse 31, it says, the many who are first will be last and the last first. You know, a man said in a commentary, says, but the extent to which, you, to which we give is the extent to which our needs will be met in this life and to which heaven will be enjoyed. You know, and to the naked eye, we won't know, we don't know who's going to receive, you know, the most riches in heaven. I don't think that should be our um, focus. Um, but the Lord knows, right? Whether we're really giving to the children, to his children most of all. But I think we'll all be blessed if we have that heart that Jesus had with the children, with this young ruler, and we believe as children. Amen? One more thing, guys, before we, before we leave. Um, you know, I know we talked a lot about um, eternal life, eternity, and I wanted to read a little bit of our um, dwelling place in eternity. So we turn to Revelation chapter 21. Verses uh, 9 through 23. It says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled, filled with the seven last plates came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me a great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of the heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12, 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. 
Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out as a square, its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs, its length, breadth, and height are all equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh Crystallite, the eighth burrow, the ninth topaz, the ninth topaz, the tenth Christophase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the, sit, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Pretty cool, huh? Our eternal dwelling place. Um, you know, I, I had the, the, the pleasure of, of teaching the, the high school kids this, and I think one thing stood out to me. Um, I gave them this example. Probably a bad example, but if... if if I had the chance as, as a father and as a husband to, to build a house, you know, for my wife and for my kids, knowing all their, their favorite stuff, and, and if I had the, the money or the talent and most of all the time to make them that house, uh, I would be blessed, right? I would put all my effort into it, knowing and, and um, having them in mind that they're going to live in it, right? I, I would be, I would put forth all my effort for them because I love them. Um, but now as, as, we read, as we read this, you know, it's the same thing with, with our eternal resting place. Um, it's nothing if we're not in it. You know, if my, if my kids and my wife did not live in that house, that house would not be as beautiful or as important to me. You guys understand? I think the Lord uh, wants to tell us that today too if you have a chance to get into this eternal kingdom which was made for you specifically. And I think without you living there, uh, all, these, all these precious stones, this gold and all that stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't compare to us or to you as an individual. Agreed? So I think we need, we need to, to get that. You know, if you don't know the Lord, you know, uh, here's a time, you know, uh, the Lord's coming back. I think uh, we just need to be sensitive to all those things. You know, um, the Lord's speaking to us today. Um, but yeah, I think that's all. I know we're gonna we're gonna watch a video right now. Um, I know we talked a lot about um, believing. Who believes here? Raise your hand. You believe. And know we, we talked about about faith also, right? In in, in Hebrews chapter eleven, uh, believing and faith. What's in the middle? Obedience, obedience, right? Anyone can believe. 
obeying, people will see your faith. If, if you obey the Lord and obey his word, um, your faith will be on display for people to see. Agree? You to understand? And this, this video kind of speaks a little bit on that, you know, faith and, um, and believing and knowing that the Lord will do a work in all our, in all our lives. Let's pray, guys. I love coming before you, Lord. I just thank you so much, Lord, for this time, Lord. Now, um, praying that you help us, Lord, to become as children, Lord, uh, following you, Lord, uh, leaving everything behind, Lord, having total dependence on you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to uh, to love your kids, Lord, to love your uh, big kids, Lord. Um, praying that you uh, again, Lord, uh, hear our prayers, Lord. Uh, forgive us, Lord, and um, we ask that your your word be be made alive to us, Lord. That you be with the men, Lord, as they come down from the mountain, Lord, uh, not knowing where, where they're at right now, Lord. Um, again, Lord, lifting them up to you, Lord. And everyone, anyone here, Lord, who is uh, doubting uh, how much you love them, Lord, or how much you've been with, you've been with them, Lord, uh, just lift them up to you, Lord, encourage them, Lord. Uh, and, uh, with you, Lord, all things are possible, Lord. With you, all things are possible, Lord. Um, not caring what this world says, Lord, or does. Um, help us, Lord, to have confidence in that, Lord. In you, Lord. Love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, if you guys uh, can please stand and we'll sing a song and you'll be dismissed. God bless you. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626 626- Four five four, three four one four. Remember that Jesus loves you.